0: Hey, I'm Wyatt Welch, and you're listening to Echo Talk. Oh my gosh, you guys, I am so happy to be back. It's been two weeks, and it feels like it's been a month, but my two weeks off... Well, they haven't been the most amazing because one, I was sick for the first week so I couldn't record. I didn't have a choice. I would have had zero voice. You would have heard a little ghost talking into the mic. And then the second week, I was in the middle of moving and I didn't have anywhere to record. I didn't have any sort of motivation to record at all either. I have basically been a hermit for the past two weeks. So if you are my friend and you have noticed that I have not talked to you in two weeks, just know it's nothing personal. It's not me hating you. It is me wanting to somehow regain control of my life again, which I feel like I'm on track to do because I finally have a desk where I can record these podcasts and it makes me so happy to be able to do that. Ah, it's great. I'm so happy to have finally moved into my apartment. It's going to be the year, like we said, 2023, it's going to be our year. It started off a little bit rough, but we will get there. Also, quick shout out to my friend Tori and her kiddos. They listened to the podcast and she left a great, amazing, sweet review on the podcast. And she also left a great response for my submission form. So if you ever want to get a shout out on the podcast, just make sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to. And if you want to submit your stories, your thoughts, your feelings, make sure to check out Echo Talks Instagram for those stories and you will see when I have submissions. So let's jump into our episode today, which is going to be Shit's Creek. Now, before you get offended, just know Shits Creek is spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. So, it's not the swear word that you're thinking of. We don't swear on Echo Talk. Only, only the Bible swears every now and then. But other than that, I try to keep it family friendly. But yeah, that's what we're talking about today in our episode is Schitt's Creek. The amazing show that it is, the characters, their journeys, some quotes, some of my favorite moments from it, and I'm not even going to lie... As I was trying to prepare for this over the past two weeks, because I wanted it to be really good for you guys, I've watched Shit's Creek, I've listened to it, and even just reading it, reading about the characters, I will cry because I love them so much. They, we'll get into it, but first we have to go over our pyramid. As I was thinking about what pyramid should I do for this episode, I was listening to Murder With My Husband, which if if you have not listened to that and you like True Crime, I definitely recommend it because they are a Utah-based podcast as well. So, the pyramid for this week is going to be fast food pizzas. Because we've done fast food restaurants, but the pizza joints, that's where it's at. Because pizza is my number one favorite food, so I definitely have some strong opinions here. Now, on the bottom of my pyramid is the worst fast food pizza I mean, like, of course we can't say the small town pizza shops because they really do have the best pizza New York City has had some of my favorite pizza I've ever had in my life But we have to talk about the ones that we can get here and now So bottom of the pyramid for my pizza pyramid is Papa Murphy's One, because it tastes like greasy wax And two, I have to bake it myself I don't want to go to a pizza restaurant to have to pick up a frozen pizza And then take it home and then bake it That's like an hour of my time already wasted if I wanted a frozen pizza, I would go to Smith's and get a Tostino's cheese pizza. Also, I should say this, I only eat cheese pizza. So this is the basic minimum. So this shows that I have the best taste palate when it comes to pizza places, because if it doesn't have a good cheese pizza, it doesn't have good pizza. And that's that. Next one, Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut is, I will say, I've had some good pizza from there, but most of the time it's just too greasy. And it hurts my stomach because I don't know what it is about Pizza Hut. There's just something in their dough, in their sauce, in their pizza. It hurts my stomach so much to eat it, and it makes me feel gassy, and I hate it. So, Pizza Hut, the one thing you got going for you was your stuffed crust. That was so good. When you could just tear off a little piece, kind of like a pretzel bite, but a crust cheese-filled bite of Pizza Hut crust. (laughs) That was a lot of words there. All right. Moving on to our third bottom of the pyramid, Domino's. Domino's pizza is the kind of pizza that everyone gets for any group event. Like, I don't know what it is about Domino's. Maybe it's just cheaper. But anytime I go to a group gathering, it's Domino's pizza. And it's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. But there's just something about Domino's pizza that kind of is like cardboard. You know, the flat burnt bread underneath. I don't like that. And sometimes Domino's really does that. But I will say I've had some good Domino's pizza and they do have a good crust. It's garlicky and I really do like that. But it's not worthy of a top tier choice for me. So that's why Domino's is third bottom of the pyramid. Moving up to our neutral choice. I shouldn't say neutral because I like this one more than neutral, but Little Caesars. Little Caesars are those $5 pizzas hot and ready to go, except I think they've actually increased their prices. So it's not the $5 hot and ready. I think it's like $6 now for a pizza. But still, anyways, relatively cheap compared to what you would get at the other fast food restaurants because I feel like if you ordered at, at Domino's, a large pizza, it would be $12. So you're getting half of the price. But the only thing is that sometimes you get what you pay for with Little Caesars. I have had Little Caesars before and it has been bomb. Like I was like, wow, they really upped their game. But then there's other times where I get Little Caesars and it's crunchy And it's cold and gross. And I think, well, I paid six bucks for it. So what can I expect? So it's kind of like a here or there kind of situation. Most of the time it is good, but there are times where it is just bad. I'm like, I wouldn't even pay $6 for this pizza. It's bad, bad, bad. And in high school, that is the only thing that we would eat. I was talking about it with Riley a while ago. And we were like, how did our body survive? We put them through the hardest test where the only things we would eat for lunch would be either Chick-fil-A or Little Caesars with the crazy crust, which if you don't know what crazy crust is, is where they put the crazy bread flavoring butter onto the crust of the pizza. Makes it so much more unhealthy, but it makes it so good. So I recommend that. Get crazy crust on your next Little Caesars pizza. There you are. Okay, second of the pyramid, the second place, goes to Papa John's. First, before I start even talking about Papa John's, I have to just recognize, why are there so many pizza places that begin with the word Papa, or Daddy? (laughs) Daddy's Pizza? Daddy's Pizza, I think? I don't know why saying the word Daddy made me feel so uncomfortable there, but it did. Daddy's Pizza, Papa John's, Daddy Mike's, uh, Papa Murphy's, Uncle Henry, I don't know. Besides the point, Papa John's Pizza is delicious. It has almost kind of a pie pizza, I would say, because it is so thick and I love the sauce, the cheese, the the crust. Oh my gosh. Papa John's crust, I think does definitely have it the best. I will say even as a second place, it has better crust than my first place pizza. But the thing that holds me back with Papa John's is sometimes the cheese can get a little bit too burnt. Sometimes they don't put, I don't know if it's good cheese or whatever, but it just tastes off. So Fix it, And then Papa John's you'll be top tier. It was a hard choice, but of course if you know me If you were in my family, you know my top favorite pizza place is Hungry Howie's. Hungry Howie's wins first place for the pyramid of pizza this week Kind of fun to say that pyramid of pizza But Hungry Howie's I've been eating this since I was a kid And the only time I could get it was when I was down in Florida Because they didn't have any Hungry Howie's up here in Utah. They only had it in Florida So anytime I would go to Florida, I would request to eat this twice or thrice while I was there. And it's so good. They butter their crust. They have different flavored crusts, which what I was saying, if Papa John's gave their crust to Hungry Howie's, they would be unstoppable. So team up there, find that combination, and rule the world with your pizza. Hungry Howie's is also relatively cheap. I would say they have some really good deals. They have a good reward system. So you get free pizzas. I get them all the time. They are so good. If you want to go to Hungry Howie's, which if you're in Utah, you can go to the Logan, Layton, or St. George. I think those are the three that I know of so far. But anyways, go to Hungry Howie's, order a large cheese pizza, extra sauce, extra cheese, boom. Oh no, I lied. Don't boom yet. Butter crust, boom. Then you're done. That is a Wyatt pizza. A large cheese pizza, butter crust, extra cheese, extra sauce, and you will be in heaven. You will not regret it. You can wash it down with a Coke. And that's my perfect dinner. If someone said that I was going to die tomorrow, I'd say, please give me Hungry Howie's Pizza tonight with a Coke in hand. And that's how I would go out happy. That'd be my last meal. So thank you, my pyramid of pizza. Now it is time to move on to what you have all been waiting for, what I have been waiting for. And that is Schitt's Creek. All right. So let's get up my notes here because I took some in-depth notes in order to truly get my passion here. And first off, like we just have to say again, Schitt's Creek is spelled S-C-H-I-T-T-S. Uh, if we want to get technical, it's spelled dollar sign C-H-I-T-T-S. It's not the swear word, right? It's it's a play on words because normally that, that phrase Schitt's Creek usually means that you're in a terrible spot, terrible situation, which is where our characters begin. So this whole story... This whole TV show is about this rich family who, if you kind of can picture the Kardashians or picture, that's the only rich family that can come to mind. But the super rich family who has become so disconnected with the real world, they one day lose everything because their, their tax person was doing things wrong, right? They were stealing from them. And so the government comes in and takes all their things and they're like, hey, you can't live in your house anymore, but you do own a town. Because the dad had bought a town called Shit's Creek as a joke for his son. So they said, you can go stay here for next to nothing. So the family has to take what little they have and move to this town called Shit's Creek. And so it's this family navigating this now very real world with real people and having to figure out who they are themselves without having money to back them up, right? Because money is used as a crutch sometimes within their own family. But now they have to experience this world without it. And it's so... Funny, it's it's a hilarious show. I, I quote it on the daily. But there's also the thing that really appeals to me most. Because I would say Parks and Rec, The Office, those are my type of humor. Right? I love I love Parks and Rec. I think that's the funniest show. I I think it is funnier than Schitt's Creek. I mean, not by much, but I I'll be fair. I think Parks and Rec is funnier, but Schitt's Creek has the heart. Schitt's Creek has so much heart in this show unlike any other TV show movie I've ever seen. And that's the reason I'm so, so drawn to this. Because this show, when I first saw it, uh, like like one of you actually said in the submission forms that you weren't a fan, like you you tried out the first season and it just wasn't for you. And I get it. Because when I first started to watch this show, I saw the first couple episodes and I was like, I don't like this. The characters are too unlikable, Moira Rose, which if you know her, she's over the top, and... It was a little bit much for me at first, but then once I started to, I think I rewatched the first couple episodes again, and I was like, okay, kind of funny now that I'm like into this mindset of humor, and I loved it. Uh, one of you had asked if I if it was similar to Arrested Development, and. In a way with the dry humor it can be uh the dry humor between arrested development and schitt's creek is kind of the same i love arrested development that has some really good writing in it as well so if you like schitt's creek check out arrested development on netflix it's not the best in the last seasons like the last two seasons that netflix made i don't like but the first well, however many seasons are so good they're so funny like i was saying the first season is tough with schitt's creek because when you first meet all of these characters they are so unlikable, and they, that's how it's supposed to be, right? Because there are these rich family members who just lost everything, so of course they're going to act snobby. Of course they're going to act entitled or rude, even to each other. So what's so fascinating and what I love the most about this show is that you see each one of them truly change for the better. And another amazing thing about the show is when I first started to, if you haven't listened to the podcast with me and my mom talking about my coming out experience, then go listen to that because that's a great episode. But we kind of talked a little bit about Shit's Creek because this was the show when I first started watching it. I was like, oh my gosh, I can see so much of myself within David because I've never seen a a character on TV or in a movie who's just confidently gay right it didn't have to be this huge thing of them having to come out or having them to be afraid or having to battle homophobia and dan and eugene levy which if you don't know this the dad and the son are actually dad and son in real life and their daughter is also in the show as well playing twyla but it's a family show and they did this intentionally there's not any homophobia in the show there's not like these huge coming out moments of where they're battling who they are like fighting their demons or whatever and they did that on purpose because they wanted to show that there is a possibility of a world where it's just love, right? Where they they don't have to bat an eye at this because it's just like, oh yeah, they love another, they love the same type of person or they love a different type of person and that's okay. And oh, I love that for, her. I love that for us, love that journey for us. That is why Schitt's Creek is so amazing. Now, I'm going to break down the characters. If you haven't seen the show, I encourage you to because I will be spoiling it, but even if you haven't, I can rewatch this show so many times, still laugh, still cry. Like I said, as I was rewatching these episodes or even talking about them, writing down my notes, I legitimately had tears coming down in my eyes because it means so much to me. And seeing that these characters that I can relate to myself in with them, or I can find parts of these characters that relate to people in my life that I know, it's so. Good. So I encourage you to give it a try. Know that the first season is going to be rough, and that's okay. But it will get better, and you will fall in love with this show. I, I haven't met anyone who has watched season two or, like, has gotten past season one and then continued on that didn't like it. Like, after—it's always been season one's been rough, and that's okay. It is. But once you get to season two, so good, and you'll fall in love with it. I haven't met a person who has had complaints about season two and on. Season one, and not to bash on season one either, it's just because season one, it's completely different. You can't start off these loving characters in season one, but they do have their moments. So even going back from watching all of the seasons and then restarting, I'm like, oh, I forget that I don't like you guys right now. But you still are always rooting for them. So with these character breakdowns, I wanted to show where they started at the beginning of, begin of their journey and how they ended. Or how they left off i don't want to say ended because they still live on in my mind but i'm also going to go over some of their quotes some of their favorite moments and as well as some of your guys' favorite moments and quotes that you have submitted as well so johnny rose johnny rose is the dad of the family he is the owner of rose video this video chain company kind of picture a blockbuster if you will that's what it is he was the owner of this that's how they became so rich is because he was the founder the creator of this he's he's a great businessman I wanted to start with Johnny because his change wasn't as, I, sh- I should say, steep as others because he was already on a great path. Johnny had a great heart. He loved his family, but I feel like he just kind of got a little bit out of touch with reality. Like in the first season, when they stay at the motel, he's in- entitled to things. He's entitled to uh, breakfast in bed at this little rack motel that they're staying in which he is able to stay in with his family because the mayor of the town, Roland Shit, yes, that's his name, Roland Shit, S-C-H-I-T-T. Remember, everyone, we're not swearing. And he offers this hotel for Johnny and his family to stay in. But Johnny's feeling entitled. He's complaining about all these things. And it's just, he's not doing it to be mean, per se, but he's just doing it because he feels like he's coming from this mansion and now he's living in this rack shack motel. But... After a while, he starts to realize, okay, like I, I need to work on myself. I need to get busy again. I need to start up a business. I can I can do something to help us save the town. Johnny's ultimate goal in this show is to help out his family. There's not been, I don't think, an episode of where he's not doing something for for someone, whether it be someone in his own family or, or for the family of Shits Creek. He's always helping someone out, which is something so admirable about, about him. And I can see a lot of A lot of johnny rose and my dad as well my dad is someone who likes to help people out a lot now with johnny like i said helping others out he eventually starts to help with the motel he partners up with stevie the eventual owner of the motel and they work together to create this wonderful place for people to stay eventually selling out the hotel and then by the end of his journey he is now franchising this rosebud motels across the united states And so he gets to his point because he worked so hard and he helped others along the way. I mean, Stevie was kind of lost. We'll talk more about Stevie's journey here in a minute. But Johnny was definitely an anchor for her in that. Johnny also proves to be a great husband to Moira. I mean, Moira is over the top and we love it. But Johnny is so patient with her and he loves her and accepts her for who she is. He not, I shouldn't even just say accepts, he loves her for who she is. So something that was super admirable about Johnny and some of my favorite moments is one, There's this point of where they're going on an anniversary dinner and they go out to dinner and they bump into some old friends from their rich life. So they are sitting down talking about it for a while and then Roland, the mayor, and his wife come into dinner and sit down with them as well. Now at this point, the friends are being rude about this town that they pass through called Schittsville, Schittstown, calling it weird names like that. And then they start to kind of poke fun at Roland and his wife Jocelyn about the way that they look, the way that they're dressed. And Johnny eventually starts to say something of saying, no, something's not sitting right with me about this. When we lost everything, you guys didn't help out once. Not a phone call, not a card, not an email, not a nickel. And he said, and that town that you passed through, it's called Schitt's Creek, and that's where we live. And he talks about, Roland, about his generosity of him being a friend to the Rose family and the generosity that they that they had of letting them stay at this town, letting them borrow their truck whenever they needed it. And it was just such a good moment of seeing someone I've been like, okay, yeah, it's not ideal to live in a town called Shit's Creek. It's not ideal to lose all of our money, but we're still going to be proud and we're still going to stand up for, for our family, for what we are living through, what we are fighting for, and keeping his friends close to him as well. And him truly grounding himself and saying, like this, it could have been a lot worse had it not been for Roland and his family. Johnny Rose is also just constantly showing his affection for his children and his wife, though it may not always be reciprocated in the way that he wants, he just has a genuinely genuinely good heart and that's something that i love about johnny rose is the heart that he has and how he is always helping others out moving on to the next rose family member which is moira rose which moira rose has one of the best accents that i don't even know how to explain what it's made of it's indescribable of what it sounds like but you just know it when you when you hear it right the way that she pronounces "bebe," a "bebe." I love it. It's I'll find myself talking in those accents sometimes and it's so silly, but it's it's so much fun to to try. And it's all from Catherine O'Hara, the actress who plays Moira. She she made it up. She brought so much to Moira Rose than what was just on paper for that character. Now, when we first see Moira Rose for the first time, she is screaming because her entire house is being taken away right they're taking all their possessions so Moira is frantically boxing up these wigs which if you haven't seen Schitt's Creek Moira loves her wigs when she gets to Schitt's Creek she is disconnected from the town she's disconnected from her family and so it's interesting to see her because she is probably the most negative one about this this new arrangement right she's not loving the town she makes so many jokes about like just falling into a coma and never waking up she's like I I hate it which is understandable, right? Moira comes from, she was an actress, a famous actress. So now she's going back to this Rack Shack Motel and she's not loving it. So something that was really interesting to see from season one Moira to the end season Moira is her connections with her kids. Because within her time here at the town, she when she first arrived, they would go without months of talking to each other. Moira would not talk to her daughter Alexis for months, not out of, sp- out of spite, but just... You know, they just didn't talk. Same thing kind of with David. Their connections weren't all that close. But now she's forced to be living in a motel room right next door to them, so of course she's going to see them. Of course she's going to have to rely rely on those two to kind of survive in this new world that she's in. So some of the moments that I really love about Moira is one, when she's having to cook with David, which a lot of you guys said this is one of your favorite moments as well. And if you haven't seen Shits Creek, I bet you've heard of this scene, a fold in the cheese. Moira is trying to cook dinner for the family. And so she includes David in it and says, okay, try to help us with the enchiladas. And so she's baking it and following the instructions, but she's having David do it. And one of the instructions is to fold in the cheese. So David's freaking out because he doesn't know what it is. Moira doesn't know what it is. So they're in a fight of folding the cheese. It's, I'm not doing it justice with how wonderful and funny of a scene that is. But that was just one of the moments I loved. Another moment I loved is showing up to Alexis's graduation. Alexis is her daughter. So that night, Alexis was supposed to graduate from high school, which Alexis tried to downplay as not that big of a deal. She didn't care about it all that much. And Moira had a concert with this group that she joined of choir girls called the Jazzy Gals. So Alexis tells her that uh, later that night of saying, hey, I would actually wouldn't mind if you came to the graduation. It'd be nice to see you there. And Moira's like, well, I already booked the singing concert because you said it wasn't that big of a deal, and which is such a realistic family fight that I could even picture in my mind of kind of having this stuff as when I was younger of trying to downplay things, but then really hoping that your family shows up or hoping that someone shows up. So Alexis is at this graduation. She graduates, which is another cute moment for her. But then Alexis is wanting to leave when the announcer says, we have a very special presentation or a, a special surprise for you guys. So out, pops the curtain, and Moira Rose and the Jazzy gals are there. And Moira starts to sing, Baby, I'm yours, and an acapella to Alexis. And it was just a cute moment because Moira kind of gets this rap of being selfish, of self-centered and everything, but she put behind her own life for her daughter, right? She put her daughter's needs and priorities above hers. And of course that you would that's what you would hope a mother would do, but Moira's not been the typical mother, right? She's come from a different type of world. She's Kardashian style so it's not a a learned thing it's not something that she sees so to see that change in her was really great she also sees David fall in love with Patrick one of the favorite scenes that we'll talk more about in a minute is when Patrick is singing to David and Moira's face in the background just is so sweet because she's taking in the moment of she's like realizing that there's someone who's in love with my son and like my son deserves the best and it's one of the most beautiful moments. So, next time you guys rewatch that scene of David singing or Patrick singing to David, don't just watch David and Patrick cuz they are adorable, but Moira's face also gets me every time too. Oh, I love her. To kind of brag more about Moira is when Stevie was having her downtime during the cabaret performance of the musical. Stevie is the hotel o- owner, right? She's kind of D- David and Alexis's age. Stevie's having a hard time because she's afraid to go out on stage, right? She's feeling she's feeling down about herself and Moira comes up to her and she's like, what is your secret? How do you remain so cool when everyone around you isn't? Like you are the coolest person in this town and I don't say that easily. So Moira pulls the best out of Stevie and from David and Alexis gives them pep talks and it's just such a cool thing for Moira who is this selfish person but giving giving her heart to these people. Now, with the jazz, Jazzy Gals, like we said, she joined this choir group. She also joined the town council to try to fix things up. So I don't think she even realized it, but she was starting to care about this town as well, wanting to see it be bettered, wanting to see the people in it kind of making connections with her. So whether she realized it or not, she was doing all this kind of stuff. And granted, she didn't want to stay in Schitt's Creek. She wanted to leave, and that's okay, but she was trying to make it better while she was there. One of the best things about how she ends with her journey is the acting, her old TV show, people come back to her and offer her a role. And she realizes her worth. She's like, I, okay, if I'm going to come back, then I get to write off this person who did me wrong in the way that I want to. I want to be paid more than anyone else on the show. And I want a diamond tennis bracelet. So she tells them I gave them an offer that they had to refuse. And at first they did. Until a couple weeks later, she gets a diamond tennis bracelet in the mail saying, okay, you won. Like you get what you want because you are that good. So Moira realizes her worth and that she's actually good at what she does, right? With her movie, The Crows Have Eyes, a movie that she starred in, she is working to make it good. Something that seems so ridiculous and is ridiculous, she's putting her heart into it because this is something that she's passionate about. So to see her in her journey in a way that she realizes her worth, she's back at acting what she is great at and she loves doing and she's passionate about, but now having this connection with her family is such... A great way for Mora's character to, to say goodbye. And speaking with goodbyes, the thing that Moira breaks my heart with is when she says goodbye to the jazz Girls, to her choir group, who are her friends from town. They all go in to give her a hug at the last rehearsal, and she's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to be hugged. And then she thinks about it for a second. She's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe just one. And that was such a powerful moment because this entire show she's been talking about how she wanted to get away from this town get away like leave 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 and she's finally presented with the opportunity and it's harder for her to do right it's not harder it's not hard to leave the town to leave the motel because that's not ideal for her to live in but it is now hard for her to leave these people that she's made friends with and made connections to so that was that was a cute moment so now that we have discussed the two parents of the Rose family, Johnny and Moira, we need to discuss Stevie, who is the motel owner. So she is David and Alexis's age right She's pretty young still. but when we first meet Stevie, she's this cold distant sarcastic loner type type of girl kind of picture girl next door but a super <laughs> I guess shy res- I shouldn't say shy reserve right she's she's not she's not an extrovert in any sort of sense. We first see her when interact with David. That's the first friend that she makes is with David. and David and hers connection eventually re- grows into like a romantic relationship, which doesn't work out which doesn't work out between them. And that wasn't a bad thing, right? It just was they're like we should just remain friends. And that was something cool to see on TV as well. Like they didn't have to make it this big dramatic thing for that lasted seasons or anything like that. They were just like, yeah, we try to be romantic, didn't work and we work better as friends. That's something that was so cool about Stevie and David's relationship is that that happens, right? There are relationships in real life, or even in my life, that it tried to be romantic, and it's like, no, this something here is just not working. We work better as friends, and those friendships grow into much better things. Then, after Stevie's having this, you know, time in Shit's Creek with David and Alexis and the roses, right? She's she's kind of the the ground of the of the family, right? She's the one who anchors them all back because everyone's so over the top in their Kardashian-style world, and Stevie's just there like, no, this is, this is real life, and what you're doing is unrealistic, or what you're wanting is unrealistic. So it's cool to have her perspective for a lot of this. Now, later on in the seasons, she starts to date this boy called Amir, and Stevie's kind of expressed that her love life hasn't been perfect, but Amir seems to be into her, right? He really likes her, they, he cares for her. So she gets her heart set up for this, and Amir breaks it, saying like, oh, well, no, I, I don't want to have a relationship with you. That's, that's just not what I'm wanting right now. So, of course, heartbroken, she's like, well, what can I do to distract myself? And Moira comes in of saying, hey, you can play the role of Sally Bowles in Cabaret. Which, fun fact, if you didn't know, the actress who plays Stevie, she told the writers, Dan and Eugene, like, hey, if we ever do a musical episode, let's do Cabaret. I love Cabaret. It's my favorite musical. So they did. And guess you got to play the main role. Stevie. So it was a cool thing to see that actress's dream come true for Stevie on the show, right? She got to do a musical episode of Cabaret and play the leading lady. So there's this quote that she says that like is so relatable in my life. So she's backstage before the show, she's nervous, she's scared. All of her friends are celebrating successes that day, but she's kind of feeling stuck. And so she tells Moira, she says I wish I wasn't watching it all happen from behind the desk. You know, it feels like everyone's growing up all around me. And that line broke my heart because there have been so many moments in my life where I am so excited that my friends are accomplishing these amazing things, or if my, family's, my family members are doing these cool, cool opportunities, and I'm so excited for them, but it just feels like I'm stuck watching it, like, from the sidelines. Like, I'm I don't know, it just feels like I'm stuck in life. And that's one of the worst feelings to to have. And so to be able to find Stevie in that moment of feeling stuck as well, it was kind of like a, like a, whoa, that line hit me hard kind of moment. So what Moira does is she encourages her and says like, you're that line about you're cool. Like there's not people in this town that are cool and you are. So Stevie does the most amazing thing. She sings maybe this time from Cabaret. And it's a moment where you just see Stevie break through. You see all of her confidence. You see her heart. And it's just a good, yes, Stevie moment. And from that point on, you just see, you just see Stevie bounds of confidence, right? A, a new, a newfound confidence. Because before she was, but it was more cold confidence, I guess you could say. But now it's warm confidence. She still holds her ground. She's still who she is. But she's able to let loose, let her guard down around the Rose family, around her friends, because She cares about them, but she also loves herself now too, which was so cool. Then at the very end, what broke my heart here was Stevie and David's conversation. This was interesting to me because watching the first season back, when the Rose family thinks that they're going to leave, Stevie's like, all right, I'll see you later. She doesn't really care. But then this last season, she's asking David to stay, or she's telling David that she wants him to stay. And that was just a, a huge moment for her because she's found a friend, right? She's found her her family here that she didn't have before, and it's the Rose family. She kind of looks to Johnny Rose as her dad, I would say, as a father figure, and looks to uh, looks to David as her best friend. And it's just a wonderfully written character from Eugene and, and Dan Levy. They did a great job with writing Stevie's character. Moving on to David Rose. David Rose has to be one of the funniest characters of, te- of television. He just is hilarious with all the one-liners that he says. I mean, I quote him all the time. One of one of my favorite quotes and one of my dad's favorite quotes too is they are getting pizza for the family and they get one pizza between the four of them and David goes, "One pizza? What is this? Lame is." And we quote that all the time now between me and my dad because it's just so funny to us. Anyways, David Rose starts off as this kind of cold and rude guy coming back to live in the rack shack motel he is an artist right he's kind of those he owned these galleries that people would come to and he thought that he was really proficient in them but turns out that his family was actually just paying people to go there so he doesn't actually know if he was successful or not so that was kind of a, a downshatter for him of like okay well I don't even know if I was successful when we had money because I was only successful because people were being paid to be there so this is kind of where David starts off. He doesn't start off on high ground. He starts off really low, unconfident in, in himself. So at one point, David actually tries to leave the town by himself and he, he takes the mayor's truck and he drives out. So David goes missing and they eventually find him on an Amish farm. And this is one of your guys' favorite moments you submitted is when David's in the farm field and the Amish girl says, you have a bug on your dress. It was it is one of your favorite moments, just the way he reacts there. But... Needless to say, David doesn't start off on the right foot here in this town, but he starts to become friends with Stevie. So Stevie and David's relationship, like we already said, kind of turned into a romantic relationship, which, by the way, several of you had talked about this moment in your submission forms, and it's such a monumental moment for me as well. So Stevie asks him, like, Hey, I thought you liked red wine, and I guess you like white wine as well. And this is her trying to use it as a question to ask, I thought you only liked guys, but apparently you also like girls because we just kissed last night. And he goes, okay, I got you. I like the wine, not the label. And that was one of the most simple ways that I've ever heard it described in such an effective way too. Because when I first started to come out, I was really having a hard time with what the label was because I wasn't st- I wasn't sure if I still liked girls or not, wasn't sure if I liked guys or not. But when David said this, it was like, oh my gosh, like I can just like the person. I don't have to have a label about like who I like or, or what it's called. And that was just such a, refreshing thing to see on TV, as just saying, it doesn't have to be a big deal. You can just like a person and that's all it has to be. I was like, oh my gosh, yay, good job, David. So after all of that, he starts to begin a store called The Rose Apothecary. Now this is where he meets his business partner, Patrick, which if you know, Patrick and David actually start to date. And this was a new relationship for David because it was one of the, what he said of one of the most healthy relationships that he's ever had. So he doesn't know how to navigate it in the correct way. This is also Patrick's first relationship with a guy. So it was new for him as well. Now, I loved that Patrick kind of seemed to be the ground for David. I, David's kind of the kite and Patrick is the string, right? They they need each other to to help keep them, you know, lifted in the air, but also grounded. So they were a perfect dynamic there. And one of the most amazing scenes on TV that will always still make me cry is the moment of when Patrick dedicates a song to to David during the store's opening. He gets out his guitar and he sings simply the best to David. Now, if you haven't seen this scene and you are wondering if you should watch Shit's Creek or not, I encourage you to watch this scene because it is so heartfelt and, and cute. I, up until then, I don't think David's ever been with the right people, right? He's been with people because they, they were attracted to to himself, but maybe not in love with his personality. But Patrick, who David finds, is someone who cares for him and loves him. And as Moira says, it sees you for who you are. And it was so nice to see a relationship like that on on TV with, with two guys where it doesn't have to be this explosive hidden secret or a bad thing where they have to fight off like all the homophobia or all that stuff. It was just a relationship that was that was beautiful. And I'm so grateful that they did that. And on their wedding day, it's, it's beautiful because David asks Alexis to walk him down the aisle, which that whole sibling relationship, they play it so well because, you know, as much as siblings fight, you do care for each other. And David does truly care for Alexis. There's the scene of where he's fighting in the car with her. And he's like, I did care when you were off getting your needing fake passports or contact lenses like who was the one mailing them to you i was like i was the one worried about where you were and where you were at and so it was just kind of a cute moment to see that david did care about alexis as well as his as well as his relationship with his mom they get on each other's nerves they'll fight but it also reminds me of my relationship with my mom as well of where we can go back and forth of a fighting like that but he would still get up and do a christmas musical number with her just because he loves her that much and so it just reminds me a lot of that relationship with my mom. Towards the end of the show, Moira and Johnny are, of course, moving because they have their acting career for Moira and they have Johnny's business with the motels. So they're moving. And so David's like, all right, I can't wait to move. And he tells Patrick that he's excited to move. But it comes to find out Patrick actually bought a house for David because he wanted to start a life with David here in Shit's Creek. And David goes out with Stevie to look at the house that Patrick had bought for them and there's this moment where they're just sitting on the car, kind of in silence. And Stevie's like, "Why are we here? Like, why? Like, wh- what's going on?" And David just says, "I wanted to take a look at, you know, I, th- I felt like I owed it to Patrick to, to at least look at the life that he envisioned for us." And that's where David almost starts to kind of cry. And Stevie asks him, like, "What? What? What is it about New York? Like, why do you want to move back there so bad?" And David, in this moment, I think reveals something about himself that for this entire series has been kind of pushing him and nagging at him. And he's like I want to prove to everyone that I'm, I'm not a loser and that I've won. And I think in his mind the way that he can prove that is getting back to where he was, right? Getting back to the art galleries, making a big name for himself in New York. But Stevie says like look at this house, like look at what you have with Patrick. Like you have one. That that's all you you should want is is this amazing life. And she's like, and I want you to stay because David and and Stevie, their relationship, that was the first time that I think David has actually had a true friend, like a best friend. And he says it in the show too. <laughs> this is what I feel like a best friend is like, but I wouldn't know because I've never had one. So their relationship and Patrick's relationship, eventually David chooses to stay. And he's going to start a life with Patrick here in Schitt's Creek because he doesn't feel like their journey there is done yet. So that is how David rose ends his time with Schitt's Creek is that he stays in the town with Patrick and their cute little cottage home and the store that they have created. And he gets to live in this town with his new husband. And it's a beautiful way to kind of wrap up his time there on Schitt's Creek. All right, on to our last member of the Rose family and probably my favorite one. It's hard to choose a favorite, but I do feel like Alexis is my favorite just because of how her journey is. So, we meet Alexis Rose starting off as the dumb, stereotypical valley girl, right? Where she only cares about possessions, she's she's ditzy, she's not like book smart, but she kind of gives into these stories of these crazy things of like one time when I was lost in the Peridian palaces and the prince kidnapped me and I had to fight my way out with only a hairdryer and Nail file and there's these stories that she just randomly drops throughout the series that it's they're the crazy experiences that she has gone through but what that kind of teaches her is that she can hold her own like she's she's not just this stupid girl like she actually has some depth to her now when she first comes into the town she's looking for a guy right she just got broken up with so she meets this guy mutt who is this kind of bad boy of town right he lives in a barn but then she runs into this guy named Ted. Now Ted is this adorable guy who who falls head over heels with Alexis and is giving her all this love and attention and so they start to date. But of course, Alexis's eye is on Mutt, right? She wants what she can't have, the bad boy of the town. So over this time Ted and her, they they're like, "Okay, yeah, like we like each other." And then they think that they're going to actually get out of town. They think that they're about to leave. So Alexis is like, hey, Ted, we need a breakup because I'm going to leave. And he's like, well, actually I want to marry you. So will you marry me? And she's like, oh, Ted, I would if I was staying. So she leaves Ted after breaking up with him and goes to kiss Mutt because she's like, I'm leaving and you never said that you liked me and I feel like you did. So he kisses her. Then they find out, come to the fact, the roses are not actually leaving town. So she's like, oh, snap. I think I just cheated on my fiance because I told him that I would marry him if I was staying. So then she actually does go to break up with with Ted. And, you know, she's like, you're super nice, but I just don't think you're the right person for me. Now, move on a couple months. We see that Mutt and Alexis aren't meant for each other, right? There's just it's just not working for them. So they break up and Alexis is like, oh, this is the first time I actually felt sad about a breakup. Like this isn't normal. She actually had a genuine connection. So then Ted and her run into each other again and Ted looks good. He got a new haircut, new hairstyle. He's tan now. He's worked out and Alexis has noticed. Now she starts to work at the vet clinic while she's also trying to graduate high school because she didn't actually graduate high school in all of her years. She's like 30 something. So she's going to high school and she graduates. And even though Ted and her aren't aren't dating anymore, they're still friends, and Ted comes to support her at the graduation, and she gets to see her mom up on stage surprise her with Baby, I'm Yours. And then after this, she decides that she wants to go to college. So Alexis decides that she's gonna go to college and she's gonna become a publicist. And this is something that Ted's supporting her on. Now, during this whole time, Ted starts to see this girl named Heather. And Heather would call into the vet clinic and talk to Ted, and Alexis would transfer them over. And so then it comes out a couple months later, Alexis is still in love with Ted, but Ted doesn't know this, right? Ted's with Heather, so Alexis is kind of sad about this and she's she's having a hard time with this. So she's going out to all these clubs, she's trying to to see another guy, meet another guy, and she's just like there's no one in there for me. That's I I would love Ted. And Moira tells her, you know, sometimes it takes time. I had to wait for your for your father for like a year. And so Alexis keeps up the hope. And she starts to come up with projects for herself, right? She's inventing herself. So she creates this thing called Singles Week, where the town will host single events for all these single people wanting to meet new people. And right before she goes to this event, which she's worked so hard on, she goes to tell Ted, she's like, hey, I know I have no right to say this, but I'm in love with you. And I know that I treated you badly in the past and you're in a relationship now, and I'm so happy for you. But I feel like if I didn't say something, I would have exploded. And that was another moment of where it just captured life so well that I feel like there have been those conversations that I've had or that others have had as well. And you can find yourself in it. So then she goes to her singles event and she's talking about this lock and key game where you have to try to find the key to the lock that matches. And during this, she kind of comes to the revelation of sometimes you think that it won't be a fit, but then you realize that it is. And you might have just wasted a really good thing. It's this beautiful monologue, which I can't, I can't give justice to but right afterwards Ted walks in and he's like I would be lying if I if I haven't wanted to do this for so long and he kisses her so then Ted and Alexis date which is everything that we've been wanting and waiting for so during all of this Alexis is still growing she's becoming a publicist she had some friends who came into town her rich friends came to town and they're like Alexis come on come on like come back to New York and live with us and do all this kind of stuff and that would mean that she would have to drop her her publicist uh, job right now. Like she's, she's doing well and she chooses to stay while her friends are saying goodbye. They're like, we can't let this happen again. Like we can't go this long without seeing each other. She's like, don't worry, I won't. Which is kind of like her saying goodbye to her friends because they weren't even her friends, right? They were acquaintances. They didn't help her out. They didn't care about her when they lost the house or the money or anything like that. So it's cool to see that growth already in Alexis of choosing herself and knowing her worth and focusing on on her life now as we get further down the line ted and alexis they're doing well but ted gets offered this job in the galapagos where he has to go for a couple months and study so they agree and alexis says okay i'll come and visit you in the galapagos and they're talking you know via skype for a long time and then ted is like they actually just offered me to stay for years like a couple years and there's only like five people in the world who get to do this and i'm one of them who's been chosen and alexis has to like wonder like okay well i don't know what to do because do I move down there to like with you to the Galapagos or do I stay here? So they sit down one night at the diner when Ted comes back and surprises her and they have the hardest breakup to watch on TV because this breakup wasn't out of anger, it wasn't out of of sadness or pity or anything like that. It was a breakup out of love. And to be able to sit down and And to have to say the words like, I know that we love each other and that's not the issue. The issue is just our paths. Like our dreams aren't going to align with each other because Ted's got this Galapagos dream and Alexis is growing her business here and they can't give those things up for each other. So them saying goodbye to each other broke my heart. But it's in the long run, it was so nice to see for Alexis because I think that... Alexis kind of got deemed as the person who she would have to rely on others to bail her out, or she would have to have someone else there in order for her to be successful. But throughout this entire series, she's proven that she is more than capable of, of holding her own. So in that final conversation of where the Roses are deciding, like, okay, we're actually going to move to, to California. And they ask Alexis, are you going to come with us? Because David's staying here in Shit's Creek. Alexis says no, that she's going to go to New York and she's going to to be able to do it by herself. She's going to fly solo. And that just shows so much of how she's grown because she doesn't have to rely on others now. And one of the best ways to prove that is her friend Twyla actually turned out to be a millionaire because she won the lottery. So Twyla offers Alexis money and she's like, I know you're probably going to want this in New York. You're going to need this in New York. And Alexis turns it down. She's like, thank you so much, but I want to be able to know that I got there on my own. And it just shows how much Alexis has grown. And I see myself in Alexis a lot because there are so many times of where I do something that I didn't know I was capable of. And I feel like that's what Alexis didn't know was how capable she was this entire series until the very end. And she started to realize like, I can do these things by myself. So that was Alexis Rose. So there's all your characters and their journeys for them. That took a lot longer than I expected, but I was just so enthralled with trying to give each one of them the love that they deserve because these characters are characters that you will fall in love with and that you will see yourself in or you'll see others in as well whether it be your family or whether it be a friend or or just someone that you know because you can see them on tv and this this show just portrays life in such a beautiful way of where it doesn't have to deal with homophobia it doesn't have to deal with romantic relationships going dramatic because they're now just friendships it just Is so, so perfect of a show, and I love it with all of my heart. So for the last part, I just wanted to go over some of our favorite moments that you guys had submitted onto the submission form, just in case I didn't already cover them. One of you said the moment when Moira and Johnny are trying to put pillows in pillowcases but don't know how. I don't know what scene you're talking about. I've looked through the episodes, and I've even Googled online, but I can't find the scene. So if you know what this scene is, please share it with me because I I can't find it. And I want to know what episode this is in so badly. One of you submitted the scene in which the parents are trying to guess Alexis's middle name. That was a good one. That's season one, episode four. If you want to check that scene out, it's a pretty funny one. One of you said, There are so many things I love about this show. The comedy, the characters. My favorite thing, though, is the pansexual representation from David. Made me feel so happy and seen that I cried when I first watched him explain his sexuality to Stevie through wine. Right? That's such a good scene. Just shows that you don't need a label. Just love, and that's all that matters. That episode, by the way, is season one, episode 10. If you guys want to watch that full episode there or that scene, it's pretty great. One of the quotes that you guys like is nobody hates me more than me. That's a David Rose quote <laughs> that's a good one. Then one of you said any David and Patrick moment, we love them, when Patrick sings to David on his guitar and when David tells Patrick he bought the house. That was such a cute moment of, of Patrick saying like you have no idea how happy I'm going to make you. And David's like you better make me happy. It's so cute. The A Little Bit Alexa song. If you haven't heard this song, it's so good. It's on Apple Music. If you like Shit's Creek, you'll love this song. I listen to it in the car so, so, so often. One of your favorite moments was when Moira is teaching David how to make enchiladas when Moira goes, David, I cannot show you everything. And David goes, okay, well, can you show me one thing? It's a good one. They also said, I love the relationship between David and Patrick to watch that love bloom and see them embrace each other's quirks and celebrate their differences while also helping each other become better humans. It's everything a real relationship should be, absolutely. They both understand that they are different people, but they love each other for that and they really embrace it. So it's, it's really, it's a healthy relationship to see on TV and I love it. There's not a single character I don't love. I even love the ones I hate because they're written and performed so well. I, I hate Bob because he drives me up the wall, but he is written very well. Same thing with, with what's his name? Roland, Roland shit the mayor. They both drive me insane, but it's because they're written so well and I, I do love hate them. They said, if I were forced to choose a favorite character, I would pick Moira. She's so over the top yet completely human. It's like she not only embraces her worst character traits, she, fla- she flaunts them. Moira Rose energy all day, every day. Yes, we stand Moira Rose. I, I think she's amazing and I slip into her accent all the time. Just like bebe bebe David. I love saying that one. That one's fun. Folding the cheese. Someone said when they realized that they were gay was when Patrick was playing baseball. They loved Patrick. When Stevie asks David why he would want to go back to the people who hurt him, they both just started to cry. Yes, that little car moment. It was so cute. Any heart-to-heart moments with David and Stevie or Johnny with pretty much everyone? Like we said, Johnny was a helper out. And then someone saying, I'm obsessed with Moira saying, turtles do not pets make because Alexis bought a a turtle at one point. So yeah, those are your guys' favorite moments. Thank you so much for listening to my rant here about Schitt's Creek. I know that maybe if you haven't seen the show, it may be a little bit hard to follow or track with. So I do encourage you guys, watch this show. It's such a beautiful, beautiful show. If you like seeing characters win in their life, if you like seeing that character development with good writing, this is it. If you want a family, I shouldn't say family show, you want a family-oriented show. I wouldn't wouldn't say that this show is for kids per se, but if you're looking for shows that have a great family dynamic that can show what a maybe non-traditional family might look like, then this is one of them. And if you are looking to be represented in some sort of way, Schitt's Creek has characters all over the place that you can find yourself in. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for being patient on my two-week there. Thank you for being patient on my two weeks gone. I do plan on actively staying here now that I have a place to record. So that's super nice. And I will see you guys next week. Goodbye.